Welcome to Football and Society, a new podcast exploring societal issues through the lens of the beautiful game. In this series, we'll be exploring topics including the legacy of the Lisbon Lions, betting in Zimbabwe, and what life is like for Muslim footballers playing in Europe. And today, we're looking at the rise of the hooligan bourgeoisie in Poland. In Poland, the term hooligan refers specifically to supporters who focus on competitive violence with rival fans, while ultras are those who engage in the more performative aspects of fandom. Traditionally, hooligans command respect from non-hooligans due to their dominant position in the supporters' hierarchy. But in recent years, the behaviour of hooligan groups has isolated them from the wider fan base. Radoslav Kozakowski and Mateusz Grodecki published an article in 2020 describing the rise of a hooligan bourgeoisie in Poland and the subsequent resentment among non-hooligans. They conducted ethnographic research from 2014 to 2018, which included 96 interviews with devoted supporters from 22 clubs, as well as desk research analysis of internet forums and press reports. The study describes how a hooligan elite emerged as football-related violence evolved, from confrontations of beery hooligans with bellies somewhere in and around stadiums into gang fights involving martial arts fighters. This shift intensified hooligans' sense of being the elite of the stands and their sense of separateness from the remainder of the fan base. Alongside this hegemony of violence, the hooligans began engaging in largely illegal money-making practices, often exploiting the resources of the other supporters and using their power over the stands to serve their own economic interests. Because of this, there is growing resentment towards this elite hooligan class among non-hooligans. Are hooligans therefore making a tactical error, breaking the norms of stands culture and exposing the false character of the dominant ideology that legitimises hooligan power? Professor Radoslav Kozakowski is Director of the Institute of Sociology at the University of Gdansk. We're delighted to welcome him onto the podcast today to discuss this research. Radoslav, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really happy to, to be with you. It's our pleasure and you're very welcome. Could we begin by asking why did you originally want to research this particular topic? This is, uh, this is part of my uh, longer uh, study, longer research, because I have been engaged in football fandom uh, research from uh, 2010, when I started this research with some of my colleagues. Firstly, we, we, our research was dedicated to a process of commercialization of Polish football. Of course, it's not the same level of commercialization like Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, etc. Et but uh, it was it was start. And from this point of start, we, we just uh, put uh, more and more research questions dedicated to football fandom. And step by step, we just discover next dimension of fandom more and more interesting and it was some kind of research process when we, we just by researching normal fun we just go went to, to the ultras to the hooligan and to the wall because mm -hmm. the hooligan uh, culture is the most difficult area to research from, from many different reasons yeah it's a it's a really fascinating paper lots of discussion points and um, firstly you used Marx's concept of class in itself 
and class of itself as a theoretical framework for the study. Can you give a brief overview of how you did this? I have to say that uh, I'm not a Marxist in terms of theoretical background. Of course, I, I use Marxism as a frame of analysis, especially when I uh, conduct lecture and so on. Uh, and so my knowledge is not very, very sophisticated. I cannot say that I'm, I'm, I'm a Marxist sociologist, but when we, when we research and made research on Polish football fans, it was striking for us that this kind of frame of interpretation, like hegemony class, which is dominating, and also class which is dominated, it was for us striking that this phenomena is existing between Polish fans. And we, we started to, to think because uh, no one before uh, before us implemented this kind of uh, frame of analysis to research poly of Polish fandom. And because the, as, we, as we wrote in our article, hooligans create uh, the most important and the most powerful group. So uh, we just step by step get many information from interviews and from uh, data um, analysis that the hooligans also use this power to, you know, use money to, to, to use other advantages from other funds. So it was uh, idea may, maybe quite shocking, but I think that that science is a place where, when you should confront your even crazy idea. And we decided to implement this class interpretation to describe field of, of uh, fandom in Poland. Uh, your research, as Ash mentioned at the start, was really comprehensive. And I think you mentioned that you interviewed over 90 people and you refer to a lot of clubs in your study. I just wondered if this class conflict, as you describe it, extends to support for the Polish national side or is it related only to club football? No, it is, it is only related to, to club football, to league football, because in Poland the situation is quite strange because uh, today uh, the fans of clubs, they are different people from, from uh, national team fans. Uh, there is a very interesting situation because due to success of national team, and we, we call it, it Lewandowski era and many, many good matches, uh, quarterfinal of Euro, 2016 and so on, uh, there is a huge fashion for, for national team. The tickets are sold out very quickly and Polish Football Association can um, sell tickets uh, with very high, high uh, prices and always national stadium at Warsaw is, is full of people. But this is, this is the different, we can say, kind of fans. The, the, sometimes as R Richard Giulianotti Describe it. it. Fans of national teams are rather followers, consumer fans, many family uh, units, very ordinary people with no ultras and hooligan uh, background. And ultras and, and hooligans are rather in big opposition to, to this kind of carnival because they are uh, state that it's not authentic. And there is no uh, today atmosphere, at ultras atmosphere uh, during uh, national uh, competition. Of course, the, the, the other thing is that UEFA is very strict in terms of, you know, punishment if the pyrotechnic is happening uh, during the matches. So the step-by-step -step, ultras and hooligans have been withdrawal from uh, national team 
matches. So this this uh, phenomena we, we described in article about uh, hooligans and ultras, it is connected only to the club competition. A common conception of hooliganism, at least here in the UK, is that it involves thugs whose main interests are drinking and violence, deliberately engaging in subversive behaviour. Yet here you're referring to a dominant hooligan bourgeoisie. And for many people, the bourgeoisie as a concept seems to represent the total opposite in a way of hooliganism. How is it possible for Polish hooligans to bring these two seemingly contradictory concepts together? Yeah, yeah, this is this is very important thing is to, to uh, say something about history, because when we consider the roots of hooliganism in Poland, so we, we have to mention 90s when the Poland started modernization after uh, collapse of communism and the first uh, years of new social system, you know, capitalism and so on. It was very difficult time in terms of economical because the huge unemployment and many, many factories and, and enterprises uh, were collapsed and many, many people, especially young, were seeking some kind of, I don't know, community or, or some bonds on stuff like this and stadiums were good places when they, uh, where this abandoned youth could be gathered. Uh, but uh, the problem was that because the government was uh, engaged in economy, in unemployment, in, in you know, the most important uh, issues, the law and the procedures uh, devoted to the sport and football was not very interesting. So it was very quickly that uh, some groups of fans uh, made uh, a strong hooligan groups in the 90s. They were very violent. Some of right-wing also extremism appeared in, in these times. But step by step, when, when the, this hooligan um, subculture was growing, these groups became step by step more professionalized, more organized, and because they consisted uh, mostly young, strong men, they were experienced uh, in, in fight guerrilla actions like attack, unexpected attack uh, and so on, uh, this group were were becoming more and more organized. And after some years, I think that uh, these groups um, were were established some kind of mafia style or mafia or militant style uh, with with, uh, high hierarchy, with with, uh, the feast principle, with uh, non-democratic style of management and stuff like this. And because one of the crucial principles in the whole area of football fandom in Poland is no cooperation with police. This was also used to, you know, to some activities, uh, no illegal activities, because if you create a group of strong men engaged and experienced in fight, and you, you know that no one uh, will, will cooperate with police, you are able to, for example, make the uh, next step, for example, drug trafficking in stadium and so on. And step by step, this very experienced and well-organized groups would be engaging in different kinds of activities, not exactly re- related to, to football, like making money, mostly in illegal 
way. So it, but uh, I, I had to, to to provide some historical context because the, the the process of establishment of this group was long. It's not like that. For example, one year ago it started. It is very long process, and and we can trace the roots of of this process uh, after uh, system transformation in uh, eighty nine in Poland. So prior to 1989, obviously Poland under a state-centric um, communist regime, part of the well, a Soviet satellite state, um, obviously. And you mentioned that, that football hooligans first started appearing in Poland during the, the 70s and 80s. This got me thinking of South American ultras and how during dictatorships in South America, there would be various football groups who, who really acted as a kind of counterpoint or counterforce against against military law, against kind of authoritarianism. Was any of the, the, the Polish football hooliganism during this era connected to pushback against the communist regime, happening obviously via the, the workers' strikes? And was any kind of confidence taken from this? And, and I guess ultimately did the imposition of martial law by Jaruzelski uh, curtail this, this nascent hooligan movement? No, exactly. It, it is uh, very interesting that sometimes when we, when we consider the structure of fandom, so, uh, ma- many people are impressed how well organized uh, this this subculture is. It, it is a strong discussion now nowadays why such organized community is not active in a kind of civic activity, you know, about uh, in terms of protest and, and so on. My, my, my thesis is that because it's not worthy to them. They are en- engaged in football, in fandom, some of them in, in ultras activities, some of them uh, are are um, active in, in hooligan, illegal, and so on. And when we are back to 70s or 80s, when many, many uh, political issues were uh, important, and when we consider 80s, we have the spring of resistance in terms of solidarity movements, especially in my, my city, in Gdańsk, many, many people... It is commonly known that, that Gdańsk was cradle of uh, resistance because here in shipyard in Gdańsk the solidarity movement was uh, was born with Lech Wałęsa and other noble person but what is amazing that in Poland in 80s football fans weren't opposite they didn't create resistant uh, movement the one exceptions is uh, Lechia Gdańsk fans but uh, in my opinion, it was connected uh, to, you know, to narrow, to, to very close proximity to shipyard in Gdańsk. Some of people in Poland, when, when, when they uh, consider the Gdańsk as a, as a city of resistant uh, movement and the cradle of, of solidarity, they, they sometimes state that shipyard, St. Bridget's Church and the Stadium of Lechia Gdańsk, uh, they were three places uh, when, when the some solidarity and anti-system movements uh, can be, can be uh, loudly expressed. But the, when we consider Lechia Gdańsk Stadium, it is true and there is a many proofs that fans were very active in terms of, as, as fans can be uh, active, uh, in, in terms of shouting, screaming, for example, solidarity, solidarity, or Lech Wałęsa, when he was available during the match of Lechia Gdańsk versus Juventus Turin 
1983. But it was rather, uh, you know, this kind of activity which we can connect with fans, like riots, like uh, some kind of street actions. Football fans in Poland had been uh, never engaged in terms of trade union, uh, labor union, some kind of uh, intellectual resistant, uh, resistance mo- movement. Polish fans, even in, in the case of Lechia Gdańsk, didn't make uh, environment like this. They, they were good in, in terms of, as I said, riot, street, fight with communist police, but it wasn't organized like solidarity as an as a institution. So, so th- this is very interesting. My explanation is that in 70s and in 80s, a Polish fandom wasn't organized in terms of associations like it is today organized. So I think it is rather some kind of mobilization when it was needed. But uh, it, it wasn't like strategical working that we created uh, or organization, association, and so on. The reason was also that the communist authorities these authorities uh, didn't allow to, to establish official uh, institutions like associations and uh, so on. So in, in terms of opposition, um, uh, opposition sy- anti-system opposition in Poland, only Lechia Gdańsk fans were active. But, but they, 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 as I said, they were active only in terms of spontaneous uh, street riots and so on. No, as a well-organized uh, anti-movement uh, institution. If we could just bring it up to the, the modern day and that kind of element of politicization. So in the UK, we have groups like the English Defence League and the Football Lads Alliance who they are hyper-nationalistic, they're right-wing Islamophobic groups, and that they kind of see themselves as having their genesis, their origins in football casual culture something that's been quite pronounced for quite a few years in the uk is groups like this who would see themselves as political groups trying to use football and football grounds as a recruiting tool Um, you said that historically that football fan groups haven't been organized politically in an overt and cross-country way but i just wondered if if organizations like this that might exist in poland um, particularly on the right but also possibly on the left as well are using football grounds in a recruitment style way? Uh, this is very interesting because uh, I also conducted quantitative uh, survey between the fans with my one colleague when we try to evaluate what, what, uh, what are uh, political preferences of, of Polish fans. And uh, the, this quantitative uh, d- uh, data clearly show that uh, they are strongly right wing. As you, as you know, the, the leading political party now is the, the law and justice. This is the, 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 they create government. But what was striking for us that the law and the justice is only fourth choice for football fans because they are not, not so strong in terms of right-wing ideas for fans. So the first choices were the national movement, the movement of politicians called Corvin, He's a very crazy guy. He was uh, a, a member of uh, European Parliament. So, so the, the political preferences of Polish, most of Polish fans are strongly, are, are strong um, in terms of right wing, stronger than law and justice even. So it, it was very 
uh, interesting. Uh, what is also uh, interesting, it's not only the conservative of right-wing references in terms of uh, moral, no gay marriage, no LGBT rights, but they also uh, conservative and right-wing in uh, economical sense. So they, they, they choose parties with, you know, with program, uh, for example, low taxes, no government in terms of social welfare state, so it, is very, it was very interesting. And, and when, we, uh, when we, for example, evaluate and, and observe the performative frame, when, we, when, for example, Polish ultras present some huge choreographies during matches, you, you, you also can see many political right-wing contents uh, dedicated to anti-LGBT, Uh, anti-refugees, but mostly these performances are dedicated to, for example, glorified historical heroes, war heroes, uh, war so uprising. Maybe maybe you you saw the the very famous Legia Warsaw choreography in English about uh, German soldiers killed uh, many people during uh, Warsaw uprising. It was discussed from Guardian to, to because it was English, so so it was very uh, and there is a many 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 stuff like this today. There is no sing, even single football fans group uh, which would be a supporter of of left wing uh, ideas because you if you consider Italy, France, even maybe Germany, probably in, in United Kingdom, you have nationalists but may but you it's not very it's not big problem to find left-wing fans but in poland is it is 100 of unification we can we can say that all, all fans are are strongly right-wing but what is what is amazing that because sometimes uh, journalists in poland special this uh, liberal uh, progressive from progressive journals, they asked me that uh, fans probably will create, you know, fascist movement. And I'm asked this question, I don't know, many times before, and it, it will, and it, uh, it didn't happen. And my, my, my answer, wh- why not, is that, yes, the truth is that Polish fans are hardcore right-wing, very conservative and so on, nationalist, but, but uh, they, in my opinion, it's not in their interest to create political movement because they are engaged in, uh, in many football or illegal areas, but they are not group in terms of political movement. They, I think that it's not important issue for them to, to create. And some parties, special national movement, small group of, of, of politicians, tried um, in, in, in recent years to make some contact with fans, but it haven't been with success. In Poland, most of fans are anti-system and anti-mainstream, and they didn't like any organization in terms of coalition with parties, with other associations. They, they create their own associations, uh, like sub- supporter association, but they are not uh, willing to cooperate 
with parties, with civic uh, association. They are closed and hermetic. And, and uh, I think it, it, it is paradox that they, they are, in my opinion, they are very conservative. They create very strong right-wing environment, but with no organizational uh, consequences. So uh, in my opinion, they like make some riot during the street protest. Uh, recently, we, we, we had um, a very, very strong uh, women protest because abortion uh, law was changed and many, many, many women made some protest, street protest. It, it was thousands of women in, in, in many places in, in Poland and some football fans. And it was very interesting that they protect church as a buildings because uh, some of feminist activists they try to make some protest in front of church because you know Catholic Church is is very influential in Poland also in terms of abortion and the, and the fans and it was very interesting they they make some you know defense they they stand in front of entrance to churches and they defend churches before to know allow uh, feminist write something or, 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 or paint something on the church. So it was very interesting situation, but they, they didn't attack protesters. Uh, so so it, was, it was very interesting that they only stand. Some fights happened between fans and, and Manifa, strong leftist groups, but it, uh, but it was rather episodes and wasn't the main, main situation. And to talk about your methodology for this study, some of your data came from an anonymous internet forum, which you said made it easier for non-hooligan fans to voice criticism. Did you ever get the sense that fans are scared of the possible consequences if they publicly stand up to the so-called hooligan bourgeoisie? Yeah, I was I was witness witness one, one situation uh, when I I traveled with Lechia Gdańsk fans when I I made ethnography and participant observation and we traveled to Szczecin for the league match. It was three uh, hundred kilometers trip, and I remember one situation when we when we after match uh, we we traveled uh, by bus and some of young fans you know, drunk a lot and they, they behave very crazily. And the driver of the bus called because it, it is always that in the first bus, it is also reserved for, for hooligans, for the leader, leaders of the, of, the, of the fans. After, I don't know, 10 minutes, all buses uh, were stopped and some very, very strong and tough guys get into our bus they approach this this uh, drunk uh, young fans and just you know um, uh, give them fist i don't know how to say punch them oh, punch them yeah, yeah exactly the, the the rest of of travel it was you know silence no problem no, no noise and it was uh, it wasn't discussion stop drinking stop i don't know because of, of course it was dangerous for driver because they behave and not, not only uh, loudly, but they they going through the bus, so it was it was crazy situation. But it stopped completely everything. So it 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 wasn't like you know discussion, stop doing, 
we talk about this, it was like, you know, punch, one punch, second punch, and everyone uh, uh, knew what is the order. And this is asking about, about the, the situation and the feeling afraid. This is, I think, the clearly sign that, that uh, you are not following the rules or you try to have opposite statement, stuff like this. So the, the punishment will be quick and very resolute in, in terms of no lefting any, any space for, for doubt or ambivalence. And there was a very famous situation concerning Wisła Kraków club, old club with many success with championship. Now it, uh, Wisła plays in the Polish extra league. And it was one of the famous situations when the hooligans not only took over, you know, situation uh, in fandom when, when they earned money from drug, from uh, T-shirts, gadgets, but they also took over. It was amazing the board of the club, and they uh, lead uh, Wisła Kraków to the edge of of bankruptcy because because they you know just took money. And, and now, now, now Wisła is growing up because there is a new board and new situation. But it was, it was crazy that they, they just, they have they people in ticket office. It appeared that, um, that the, the, the chief of board was one of friends of this, of this uh, hooligan. So now it is a big police prosecution and the police issue because many of, of, of these hooligans are uh, in jail now and, and uh, the, the, the case is developing. And it was the strongest case when the hooligans took uh, over the, the control, not only uh, when we consider fans, but also when we consider professional from extra league uh, football club. And uh, uh, one journalist uh, described the case of Wisła Kraków he also described many situations when, for example, the le leaders of these hooligans, uh, Biswa, the, the, this group was called Sharks, they, how, how they punished people who betrayed them. And it was really, really hardcore punishment, like cutting fingers, beating nearly to the death. So, so it, it wasn't, you know, the, the democratic dialect, you are wrong, I, we are right. We, we exchange arguments. It, it's like mafia. You, you, you don't follow rules. You are punishment. You are punished mostly physically. So, so that, that's, that's the, I think, the reason why, why ordinary people, the ultras, even ultras, keep silence and, and they, they know that what kind of consequences could be if they argue with this, this, this hooligan groups. So you're saying there's no trial by jury. There's no trial by jury, right? Um, yeah, it's just immediate, uh, immediate physical punishment. That that actually takes me on to the next question. Neatly um, talking about leaders and and how I guess you know they're actually uh, they actually come to power. I think one of the interviewees states most of the leaders obviously come from hooligan circles. I'm stronger. I'm in charge. Luckily, usually the power does not only belong to those who are the strongest. It also takes charisma and brains. So I guess how. You've alluded to how they're structured. Um, they're not are there other vertical organisations, um, and if so, I guess how does how does one obtain the the position of power, and uh, what are the decision making processes? Who who decides the enemy friend, etc.? 
as you said, uh, many features like, for example, charisma is very important. I also had um, opportunity to make interview and converse, conversation with ex-hooligans and they always uh, confirmed that it's not maybe very important how you good in, uh, you know, combat skills you are. Uh, of course, it is very important, but the, maybe the most important thing is how charismatic person you are. Because even if you are not the master of MMA or boxing, but you are crazy in terms of you, you never afraid of go to and fight, it make, make your person very, very important and very valuable. Uh, and recently I, I read one interview with, with Krakowia Kraków hooligans. They are really crazy. No one in Poland uh, wanted to, to fight with them because very crazy in terms of behavior. And this, this, this guy, uh, for example, described situation when they approach Wisła Kraków enemy and the Wisła Kraków fans, they made, for example, 300 person and Krakowia fans was 20 or 30, but they were really crazy. A, 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 they didn't afraid, just run in direction of Wisła, Wisła Kraków because, because they were so charismatic and, and you know, faithful that they, they are very good. Uh, what kind of, you know, reasonable argument you can use when you consider situation like this? It's uh, 20 people against two or 300. It, 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 you cannot use uh, reasonable arguments. And uh, I think that, but if you are one of them, you testify and you, you clearly show that you are valuable person, you are trustful uh, person and uh, always uh, re reliable person. So uh, step by step, people see that they can re really on, on you and uh, you, you never let them uh, down. I think that I'm not a psychologist, but uh, my idea is that some of them have some psychological, I, I, don't, I don't want to say failures, but uh, I, I think some kind of features because even if you are a hooligan you have to estimate what chance you have if for example rival has um, you know majority or or advantage in terms of numbers uh, so what kind of feature you need to have uh, when you decide to attack people who are in such uh, advantage so i think this this personal charismatic skills make you make you leaders make you um, people uh, like i think in in, in uh, you know during the war when we consider i know maybe this comparison is hardcore but if you consider hitler probably hitler cannot cannot be good fighter but uh, how many millions of people how, how thousand people listened uh, to hitler and was like in you know in some kind of trance and I think that man, many charismatic hooligans working like this, that, for example, they just scream, you cannot give up. It's not possible. And people just know that, yeah, I have to go. I have to follow him. And of course, if they are such strong, charismatic person during the fight, it was naturally that they can put orders, other situation like, like decision about selling tickets, about uh, making friendship with, with friends of, uh, with, with fans of other 
teams. Uh, it is very important to say that in Polish football fandom, there is a very difficult and, and sophisticated network of alliances or friendships. In past, for example, in 80s, in 90s, most of this friendship and, and alliances uh, were um, uh, established accidentally because, for example, someone uh, meets someone, they drink something, and one beer with, with one uh, vodka, they just became friends. But nowadays, uh, many ob observators and man many commentators and also many fans convinced that many alliances, many friendships, these friendships stem from illegal business. That, for example, fans from Poznan make some friendship with fans uh, of, of, from Łódź. And the reason is that it, it is a good way to, to sell drugs, for example, from Poznań to the, to the wood. So, of course, we, we cannot say that all friendship, uh, friendships, all uh, alliances are based only on the illegal uh, attitudes. Of course, there are many just football friendship, like, for example, Lechia Gdańsk fans have friendship with Śląsk Wrocław fans. And I know that it is very old friendship based on community, some alliances, long, uh, considering in long term, even marriages. But uh, so we, we, we have to be fair and, and to confirm that some of these friendships are very, are based only on fandom, but some of them, especially made, for example, by, by Wisła Kraków hooligans are based mostly on the some kind of illegal uh, interests. Radoslav, thank you so much. That was a fantastic discussion, but I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much for, for, for this time. It was excellent to, to talk with you.